and welcome to the Nordic Web Podcast with myself, Neil Murray, and Carsten Deppert. Hi, Carsten. Hello. This week, we are going to talk about a investment in Linkfire. They raised 2.3 million euros. They are looking at the music industry. We will talk about a challenge to Uber in Sweden and maybe abroad now as well. And we're going to talk about a uh, gaming startup from Denmark, which often goes under the radar, but has actually broken the 1 billion downloads barrier. And finally, we'll get an update from Carsten on Mocha Mira. But we'll start with Linkfire. So, yeah, like I said in the beginning, they've raised 2.3 million euros. And essentially what they do is when you click, say, you're a music artist, and they say, listen to my latest track, they use Linkfire to just put out one link. And then when you click on that, it then opens up, and you can then choose to listen to the song on Spotify, Apple Music, SoundCloud, whatever your preferred choice. So it's kind of empowering the artist, making it easier for people to listen as well. So it's kind of a, a cool tool. I like it. Like it's used for artists to promote themselves without having to choose like a certain platform. Yes, exactly. So rather than just them tweeting out like a Spotify link and then I'm like, oh, I don't have a Spotify account. So like then no one clicks on it. It's about giving the artist conversion. So anyone can click on that link and then go onto the platform which they use to listen to music on. That's a cool, very interesting concept, I must say. Yeah, I mean, what's interesting is how it's developed. So, yeah, full disclosure, I know the team, I used to pretty much sit next to them and in the very, very early days when it was just an idea. And what it was at the beginning, it was pretty much a generic link shortener, but with some kind of marketing analytics behind it. Exactly, because that's also how I got into contact with Linkfire in the beginning, with not at all like focused on the music part, so, but more like on the link part. Yeah, it was completely around the link and deep linking. But then they came across it was particularly popular in the music industry. So like, I think it's a really interesting case, really, of how they listened to customer feedback and then just went down kind of one vertical, really sharpened the focus of the product and then went for that angle. Because to me, it, it could still be used for a lot of things. Like, I really like the thought of it being used for articles say there's a big news story, Spotify has been acquired or whatever, then you go on the one headline and then you can choose and say, okay, I want to read the New York Times or I want to read, you know, Earth and Startup saying about it. Like, you then get to choose. So actually, I can see it being used in many different ways. So it's interesting that they've gone, you know, specifically for music industry. I wonder whether they will kind of spin out or whether this will be their sole focus. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, from a startup perspective, it's also always very good to early on find a niche and build on that niche. So that's cool. Yeah. I mean, and they've already closed contracts with Universal, Warner Music, Sony Music. So clearly, they've already attracted the attention of some big customers. And there's yes. like artists like Sam Smith, The Weeknd, Rolling Stones uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. are promoting their songs using Linkfile, which is pretty crazy. To me, when I remember just sitting next to three or four guys in, in Rocket Labs in Copenhagen. Do you still have any contact with them now? Yeah, or? I do. Yeah, I, I still speak with them. And yeah, I mean, I think even they are kind of expressing the kind of surprise at how quickly kind of things are going for them now. And I think with this new money as well, they're expanding a the team, they're expanding to the US. So it is kind of taking off in a big way for them. Cool. And the investors now is Northcap, and together with, a, as I understand it correctly, a, um, a loan from the Danish government, from Vexfunden. Yes. Uh, and also some angels joining. So it really feels like they're yeah pumping up uh, the team behind it and getting money on board to be able to scale it. 
Yeah, and if I am right, I believe that they actually had quite a few offers on the table, but they mm-hmm. actually chose to go with the Danish growth fund, uh, VEX fund, and the loan because of the, the great terms that it offered. So it's quite mm-hmm. interesting they chose to take some money there rather than, say, another VC, which is very kind of an interesting comment on the state of, of the, the venture capital scene in Denmark and in the Nordics, is this kind of soft money that's available. Yeah. It's like a competition to VC. I mean, it essentially is. They beat off competition for VCs to invest in Linkfire. Yeah, that's true. I mean, and I think, yeah, I mean, it's the same. It's exactly in Denmark, VEX fund and in Sweden, you have similar things as well, where you can get like, yeah, loans as a convertible note, which you actually can buy back if you would like to and stuff like that. So it's interesting with those kinds of concepts, but I think they're, they're mostly for early stage as well. So they're not that late in most of the cases I know. So yeah. it's, it's more like a complement for a early stage VC and not yeah. so much for like, like Series B or onwards. No, definitely. But it's good for for competition for money. <laughs> yes, yes. Cool. But probably not from a VC perspective. No. <laughs> yeah, Nobody yeah, likes probably... competition, but it's good for everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good for the startups, it's good for the entrepreneurs. That's what we care about. Yeah, so moving on to another startup, one in Sweden. It's a pretty odd one, actually. I, I mean, I have to admit, firstly, I'd never heard of it before. I came across it on a Swedish startup space article. And basically, it's about a guy who is the son of Sweden's largest taxi empire. And now he's kind of spun off something within that into something called Cab Online. It's been going for a few years. And actually, the bigger group was acquired by an American venture capital firm. And this spin-off project, Cab Online, has now got investment from Swedish VCs. And essentially, what they're looking to do is make a competitive... Well, a competitor to Uber, but saying this is something that benefits drivers and passengers. Yeah, yeah. Had you and heard it, about the taxi company before? Uh, yeah, I mean, the taxi company uh, uh, is in Sweden is one of the biggest ones. So uh, they have like different local brands everywhere. And they've had an app for for not that long time, but for quite a while they've had some kind of app features. Uh, and um, yeah, I mean. From my experience, I haven't used their app now for a couple of months. It's not really where Uber is in, from a user perspective. Uh, but of course, I mean, the potential is there. I mean, we've seen other Uber competitors. And I mean, I remember already back in 2004, 2005, having a friend who was like, ah, oh, you should build some kind of taxi service. And then when the iPhone came, more people started to do it. And in Copenhagen, you have a former click a taxi now called Driver. So it's, of course, a lot of players in this field. And I'm not really sure Uber will own it all, uh, just as they already have competition with Lyft uh, in the US. Um, so I think it, we will see more of this, actually. Uh, like This is like old school media going into the digital media. This is the old school taxi going into the new school taxi. Yeah. Uh, because they need to do it. It's not an option. They need to be in the same playing field as Uber. Otherwise, they will definitely not be around anymore. Yeah. I mean, what's interesting is Anders Carlsen, who's behind it, and he actually said to Swedish Startup Space that he feels that Uber are quite a small player in Sweden and that they barely notice the competition. Yes. And I would say from their perspective, that's probably true. Because, I mean, look at Sweden. I think the only city in Sweden where Uber is available is Stockholm. So, um, And they have a, a company which reaches every major city in Sweden. So, of course, in most cities, they don't even know about Uber, I would actually guess. Uber itself hasn't really 
turned up marketing uh, in Sweden. I mean, the only people I know who use Uber are kind of in the tech early adopter scene, like regular friends in Stockholm, I would say 50% of them don't know about or use Uber. So it's not that heavy in use. So I think uh, timing-wise and and from a Swedish perspective, they're quite good because it's it's definitely not too late. Yeah, I mean, actually, I I completely agree. But I would say, so I saw the other day that Uber has apparently doubled their growth in Sweden. But that could be nothing because it could have been from a very, very small baseline. Exactly, double growth from small numbers. nothing, yeah, exactly. But yeah, I mean, it's rather interesting that that they are kind of capitalizing on this they've so they're expanded to finland already and they think they could go into other countries as well i mean essentially what they're trying to do is enable anyone to start a taxi company yeah i mean uber is a system a complete system in its way and this their system is more like a a software as a service for taxi companies if i understand correctly more like okay you can we have the infrastructures the technical infrastructure to run taxi companies that's how i see it as well yeah so i mean that that's there's definitely a need for that there's a lot of taxi companies out there uh, who need to make this digital gap uh, this bridge and but yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i mean you could definitely see the appeal i mean if you're making a product that that benefits both drivers and passengers then if if you could get that right then I think that's a pretty good competitor to Uber because, you know, at the moment, although Uber does benefit drivers, but it doesn't benefit taxi firms. If you could benefit taxi firms as well, then I think you can, at the very least, offer a real alternative to Uber. So it will be interesting to see if they can roll this out further. Yeah, 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 exactly. Because Uber is its own taxi firm. And I mean, from the bigger perspective, what's interesting is that I don't really see why Uber should be the major. I mean, there's like there's not a really a large scale effect in this business um, because I would say most use their service in their regular city on a regular basis. So it's definitely possible to have like local strong brands. Yeah. I would assume because of course, yeah, if you travel a lot, you might use want, want to use Uber everywhere in the world, but most people don't travel a lot and don't go by taxi or by cab a lot in other cities. So it's like it's, it's, there's definitely a room in the market for uh, strong local players um, as well as bigger giants. It's like a little bit like the hotel market, I think. Yeah. But cool, well, yeah. It'll be sure. interesting to, to see if they can kind of replicate the success outside of Sweden. Yes. I think it's probably a, quite a strong bet, but it's the right thing to do from their perspective. So I applaud that. Yeah, definitely. Cool. And finally, we're going to talk about under-the-radar success. I mean, people in Denmark are aware of uh, Kilu, uh, the makers of Subway Surfers. But I think outside of Denmark, no one really knows it too much or too well. But it was interesting to see that Subway Surfers, their their most successful game, actually broke 1 billion downloads and has 27 million daily active players. So for me, that should be considered one of Denmark's biggest tech successes – but it doesn't really ever get included in the kind of Danish kind of big companies or big tech successes. No, as, as you said, I think it's definitely been under the radar uh, a little bit uh, too long. And um, uh, yeah, I think, I mean, it was, as with everything else, it's, uh, it's not, if nobody works too hard with getting it on the radar, then being under the radar uh, is something you are until you somehow break it through. 
or like get some noticed in some way, and then people will suddenly notice you a lot more. So I think for a kilo, this will happen now that they will actually now okay, wait, this is actually really interesting, and I think they will have a lot more attention um, uh, up the upcoming time, like month, uh, just just because of that. So yeah, it's it's really really uh, interesting. I mean, it's it's great work. Uh, building downloads is massively impressive. Yeah, I think what's interesting about it as well, we've talked before on the podcast about how gaming companies kind of go all in on one hit but then struggle to replicate it or keep it fresh. What's interesting about Subway Surfers is that they basically update the game every three weeks with new characters and they also have it taking place in different cities and countries and they kind of go around the world in the game in different places and different cultures. For example, the next one is Kenya. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a really interesting way to, to keep it fresh. And they've said that they're not interested in doing spin-off games. They're not interested in sequels. They're not interested in merchandise. They just want to work on games. Um, yeah. And they want to just keep kind of the game fresh and keep that one game going. It's a really interesting approach considering that, you know, we've seen that if what happens when you get bored of Candy Crush and then King struggles to replicate or Angry Birds, you get bored of it, what what a Rovio do then? They're yeah, just going yeah. all in on Subway Surfers, continuing to improve it, keeping it fresh. I think it's a really, really interesting approach. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and this is really a, a transition from the old type of games where it really was like, ah, okay, we, you do one game and then it's out and then maybe you patch it or maybe you update it and, and then you got this one, yeah, we do extensions or we do sequels to it. And now it's like, really, no, you have this one game and that game is like changing all the time. I mean, of course, you could also argue that Candy Crush uh, also like, I mean, it expands continuously. Yeah. So it's also changing in that way, but it, it's not really changing its core is more like it's never really complete in that sense. So yeah, I think definitely this might be the future way to do it. Yeah. Uh, to have this. And of course, doing this geographically and journey is also a really interesting way because I, I'm guessing it breeds uh, customer acquisition on a regional level. Very interesting. Yeah, I mean, also their approach is, I mean, it's clearly working. I mean, and this might be the reason why it does have so many downloads is that they don't really care about user acquisition. They don't really care about making money. And they're kind of making it free to play. There's no paywalls. And they let you access all of the game. And they just care about making a good game rather than retaining the player. That's how they have 27 million people playing it every day. But I do wonder kind of what is the cost of that to them as a company and perhaps that is why they're not considered that big success because, you know, they're not raking in the money. You know, maybe VCs aren't, you know, it's not as an attractive model to get investment. And they're just kind of happy being game developers, making good games and not interested in being this kind of giant yeah, tech yeah, success. Yeah, yeah. And that's probably why they're not kind of put amongst that because the <laughs> revenues and stuff like that are lacking when you look at other gaming companies from the Nordics. Yeah, yeah. I mean, of course, that affects uh, hugely the interest from a VC perspective. But I, I think that's not really the com- entire truth, because if you really want to uh, monetize on it, you can. But it's more like the, yeah, the, well, what's your approach to monetization, which is the interesting thing from a VC perspective. Do you know if they actually had any funding? Um, I actually don't really know that. Yeah, I did look once. <laughs> I mean, I looked about a year ago. I think they do have a little bit, um, yeah, but so, not uh, much. Uh, uh, yeah, exactly. I'm only. I think they've had like one round of funding, but not yeah. not a lot of money. Yeah, from memory, I would say that that's right. 
I'm just having a really quick look on Crunchbase and I can't see anything listed actually. But I was under the impression that they had raised one round as well. But I can't actually see anything listed in Crunchbase, so perhaps we're we're wrong yeah. about that. But uh, yeah, they've been going since 2000. So yeah, 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 yeah. yeah that's a long that's time bad. to be making a free game. So they must have money coming <laughs> in somehow. <laughs> but as I said, I think we will see a lot more about them in the future um, because I think this will be there breaking through the radar. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's the classic overnight success of 15 years. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but what about your overnight success, Carsten? Have you achieved that yet? Have you oh, made uh, any money? Uh, with Mucho Yeah, it's going uh, okay. Uh, it's not definitely not uh, the overnight success. Uh, it's the hard work part now. Uh, we had, um, I mean, we're as, as I mentioned before, it's uh, the the app is a business to business app uh, for, with health focus. We're in the customer acquisition mode right now, so we want to get customers on board because we have the app. It's out there. It's working. We need to get the customer feedback. How is it really working? And we need to prove to ourselves that customers are willing to pay for it uh, because we think that's a big deal. And uh, uh, we've had some customers now. We had our first customer uh, who bought the app together with the Fitbit um, uh, bracelet. Okay. Uh, which is for us quite interesting because we're we're actually marketing it as both as a standalone app or marketing it as an app together with Fitbit, uh, which is a little bit of an exaggeration because you can't the, the app doesn't really talk to Fitbit yet. So as a customer experience, it's not the best. Um, but we're testing it more from a, a marketing perspective. Yep. Do people actually want to buy it? Uh, because we, that's on our like short list of things we would like to develop in the app is an API connection uh, to okay. Fitbit and to Runkeeper and stuff like that. So we had our first customer uh, with that, and that's been very interesting just to see, okay, how do they actually use the app now? Um, because, yeah, I mean, having been forcing them more or less to use two apps, uh, they, it also benchmarks us against the Fitbit app, like which one is more fun to use in, in like a real world setting. Uh, so, yeah, that's been really interesting. But a lot of, so I've been talking to, there's only one customer. There was actually two customers who ordered it, uh, but one uh, uh, was screwed up. Uh, so ah, we yeah, yeah. circumstances, the one at the beginning. So, uh, uh, so we haven't. They never completed the order. So this is your second chance, your big second. Exactly, chance. this is our second chance. I've been talking quite a lot to that customer as well. Just okay, how's it actually going? And uh, yeah, and just you know, we are still in the early phase, so we want to get a lot of feedback on the app as well. Like, what would you like to see instead, and stuff like that. But you're still, you're still battling. You're still persevering. You're still positive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our main marketing channel is email marketing, and that has been a lot slower than we expected so currently we actually are uh, like as i mentioned before we, we actually acquire an old service so we're using the same marketing channel as the old service has has used which is email marketing and last year during um, uh, september august september uh, the revenue was roughly uh, 200,000 kroner, which isn't a lot. It's, it's quite a small number but there's still it's still something uh, in which that's what we wanted to build up on and that was for the old service, which looks crap. It was web-based. It was really, it was, it was not good at all. Okay, so this year we have the app. Uh, we have a lot. Everything looks a lot, lot, lot better. Still, it doesn't look perfect, but really a lot better. Uh, and the same channels. And so far, we've had hundred thousand kroner of sales. So it's like it's half the sales of last year, but everything is better. Uh, so for us, it's like, hmm, fuck. What are we? What? Which details do we need to tweak? 
to make this better uh, from that from that perspective? Or is email marketing just the wrong channel for the app instead of a web service? So we're, currently we're still testing, and we've said like in October we will evaluate and like okay, do we do we believe that we should continue with this or should we try other channels instead? Uh, and which one in that case? Yeah. Okay. So it's positive, but uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's preservance now, like going forward and, and getting through. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Investment-wise, are you still looking for investment or you put that on hold for now? Still looking for investment, but because we don't have hit the numbers we wanted to, uh, that's more or less put on hold at the moment yeah. because I think it will be very hard to raise uh, any money without being, I mean, also for our own sake. Like, I don't want to raise money and then not really know how to get more customers on board uh, because then, I mean, I, from the network I have, I could definitely, like, convince enough companies to become customers uh, just by asking them nicely, I think. Um, but that would be like faking it. And then when my friends run out, I don't really know how to continue that grow. Uh, and then we would just be fooling the VC. Yeah, yeah. That would be bad for everybody. So um, so we need to find the systematically approach to how to get customers. If we, if we can't find that in a, in a cost-efficient way, then this is not a VC model. Then we might just continue it as a side project somewhere. Yeah. Okay. We'll see. Cool. So yeah, you learn a lot. So that's cool. I like it. Yeah. Okay. That's and it's always interesting to hear an update. So it's it's fun for us as well. Yeah, good, good. <laughs> cool. Okay. Well, I think that's about it for this week. Uh, you can find us on iTunes. You can find us on SoundCloud. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at Neil S W Murray. Carsten is at Carsten DC. Um, but we'll be back uh, in a couple of weeks. Thank you, Carsten. Yeah. Thank you, Neil. <laughs>